Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Grab your Bibles, if you would. And uh, we're going to start Matthew chapter, chapter 9 this morning. Um, and... We're going to look at two passages of Scripture, Matthew and Luke. And in Matthew uh, and in Luke, we're going to hear Jesus give the same instructions to his followers. Okay? Same instructions to his followers. And I want you to hear from the Lord this morning in his word. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. It says, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Now, this morning, I want us to spend most of our time thinking about Jesus' earnest call for us to pray, to do gospel praying, to, to learn how to do gospeling prayers, pray gospeling prayers. But to begin with this morning, um, I would like for you to meet some of those who people have prayed and God sent forth laborers from among us. And so I'm going to ask uh, Team Destiny from River Bluff, if you guys would come on up here. And I promise I'm going to do better and not be a big baby. Maybe. And uh, I, I want you guys to, to come and, and plan to share with us today um, from what you guys have experienced. Michelle, I'm going to start you off with this microphone. And let you uh, bring your team up and introduce them this morning while I gain my composure. This is Team Destiny, or at least part of them. Part of Team Destiny. Good morning to all of you. This is Yolanda and Shama and Reggie. Now, Michelle, and we're just four of a group of 11, uh, including youth, that went to Destiny to serve, uh, not last week, but week before. I know that you shared a few weeks ago about the mission. Um, not everybody was necessarily here that day, so could you recap what happened, how this whole week that you guys engaged in came about? Well, it started with prayer, and prayer just carried us through, and thank you for your prayers. But it started with prayer many months ago when I taught a class for our state convention um, on how to teach missions to kids. And before that, because it's kind of straightforward, you, you go through a book, but I really wanted to teach missions education for those leaders. And God spoke very clearly to me. The Holy Spirit said, talk about church collaboration. Talk about reaching this city together, uh, which is a close passion to my heart. And so I did. Met some neat people there. This was months ago. And then not too long after that, got a random email. We need help from a group that I had met there, never expected to hear from them, and I, I had an idea of what help looked like, but I wasn't sure. Uh, fast forward to just a few days before they needed help, and that meant they needed us to come in and show them how to do it. But I went into that, pray that meeting with them praying for God 
I said, God, I am open to what you would have me do. And let me tell you something, that song, He Has Made Me Brave, that was not me being brave. When you, when you say that prayer, mean it. He made me brave. And we walked into there and just heard their heart and were able to go in and, and use our gifts and Amen. talents to help them. Amen. Now, what we're, we're hoping you guys and gals will do, I use guys generically here, um, is, is share a little bit about, you know, what, what you heard from God that made you say, hey, I'm going to do, because I think all of you had somehow given a week of your lives to VBS here. You know, you'd already sacrificed generously that way, and, and God did some really cool things there. But then, then there was this kind of big ask that went out. Um, Michelle said, hey, we've been called into something. Anybody that, you know, wants to step in can step in. What was it that stirred in your heart to say, I think God's calling me into that, and then maybe kind of share what you saw God do, maybe inside of you or around you while you were uh, engaged this past week? Well, for me, about a year ago, I came to Michelle and I was telling Michelle I wanted, uh, I was thinking about impacting the old community. We came, me and Shama came from Joy, and um, we love this ministry here, but my heart's long for those, the lost in the um, in, po in poverty area. And um, it was funny, when we had that conversation the next week, she was like, hey, we're going to do um, downtown, <laughs> which was where I came from, so I was happy to do that. Um, and then I've done the Air Force Base with Michelle. So we've done two VBSs for like the last three years. And it felt strange this, at the end of the hours, packing up and knowing like, oh, well, we ain't got another VBS to do. So when I saw this email, I was like, you know, God answered prayers. And I have a heart for those who, for reaching the lost. So. Amen. Thank you, Reggie. Um, like Reggie said, we had done VBS a couple of weeks before, so I did not know what the ske my schedule was going to look like because I'm working full-time as well, and just God opened the door, and I was able to help out a couple of days during the week and just be of service in any capacity because when we went there, we had kind of like a vision in mind and everything, and this taught me to be even more flexible and not so like, okay, it has to be this way or that way. So um, that was like one of my my biggest things for that week. Because y'all went, I mean, you're used to VBS at River Bluff. There's kind of a yes. River Bluff way, and there's big lights and staging. And yes. A lot and of structure. fun. And, yeah. And structure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. And structure. Yeah. And then you you had no literally had no idea what you were getting yourself into yes on sunday before, after after second service we had a meeting with michelle and we went over the um the schedule of how things were going to go and then by about 8:30 on monday morning we had to reevaluate that schedule mm -hmm. and make some changes by <laughs> 10 o'clock we had to reevaluate again so just really being mindful that even though you have a vision of how things have been going at right. your location, but then being flexible when you go outside those doors right. to their own needs. Awesome. Yolanda, what, what, what would you share that maybe you saw God do around you or maybe in you specifically in the week? I think for me, um, I went in definitely, I, I said this at my small group, they asked, you know, what exactly are you doing? I said, I'm really operating on blind faith right now because <laughs> we had no clue what we were really going in and what to really expect. But I think what I gained from the week is 
I definitely learned it was not River Bluff VBS. It was definitely different. It was different every day. You didn't really know what to expect. But there was two things that I walked away after the first day. And day two through the rest of the week, you know, was 100% certain. Number one, the day didn't start until Ms. Capers gave you a hug. That was, and a kiss. And number two, you were going to be surrounded by little people with big hearts who just wanted to be loved. Hmm. And that structure aside, rules aside, knowing what you're going to be doing, what you're going to be feeding them, where you're going to be in the next minute, none of that mattered because they were just little people who just ran around and soaked up anything you were willing to offer them. So that was just the best thing in the world. Would one of you guys kind of speak into maybe what, what big challenge that you ran into or that you may have seen that uh, you know, we want to pray into or think about together? Um, one of the things I was talking about during first service was um, we are in this building, an air-conditioned building with many, many rooms, and just 20 minutes down the road from us, there, there's a church, the church that we minister to, Destiny's Church, and there are 14-year-olds that do not know that Proverbs is a book in the Bible. There are 14-year-olds that don't know the New Testament or the, the Old Testament. There are seven-year-olds. Now, now when you say age. that, you're not talking about know the verses. You're just talking about that there is a New Testament. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. There are seven-year-olds like our son, RJ, who've never heard the story of David and Goliath, Jonah and the whale. There is a need for Bible teaching children's ministry. This is our next generation. This is our future. And to have kids the same age as my child not know a basic Bible story, that broke my heart. So my cry to the Riverbuff communities to pray, pray for our communities, pray that God will raise up people in the children's ministry in this church because they do not have an active children's ministry that's there to lead our next generation, to teach them biblical truth, to teach them the love of God. One of the things that Yolanda said is just these children would just they were running all around, but then when you would stop and give them a hug, it would be like a million dollars to see the smiles on their face, that love. Yeah. We were there to spread love, and I think we accomplished that for sure. Mm-hmm. Michelle, are there other things that you would, you would say to us as a church that um, to, to pr- be in prayer for and maybe even think about providing in the days ahead help, ministry, love for, for, for Destiny Church? What would that look like? I would just add that you never go into a community to love and serve them deciding what their needs are. Mm. You have to ask. You have to go in and ask and be interested and look them in the eye and find out what needs are because otherwise you are condescending and you have no idea what their needs are. So when they said we changed a lot, we changed a lot because we were there to meet their needs and we were there to help them and walk them through some things. One of the great needs they have, as Shama was talking about, is they have a desperate hunger for Bible literacy there. When people struggle to read, you can't hand them a Bible and expect them to open it and read it. 
because that's not pleasurable, it's frustrating. There are ways, and, and I loved watching this team stretch, stretch, be flexible, use storying, use other methods than we use here. Um, but you have to be ready for that. And when you pray that prayer and you're seeking where God would send you and you're trying to help assess needs, always walk in in humility. And let me tell you something, these folks were humble. They humbly said, we need help. But they loved us so well when they were there. They loved us when we were there. They, they loved us well. They have asked us specifically to come in and do some training with them about how do, here's this great curriculum, now how do I use it? And I, I made a comment that it's broadly graded and they said, oh no, we, we gotta stick with the children's one because our church, we have to start where the people are. And guys, it's hard. That's very hard because you get grown-ups and egos and all kinds of things at play, but they just have a desperate, desperate desire to share with their people the Bible, how to use it, how to read it, how to glean from it. So that's one thing that we have been asked and I would ask you to pray. They also have no dedicated children's ministry. They have kids, they love kids, they want to love the community kids. We had kids from age 2 to age 11th grade, okay? They were coming from across the street, they were coming from Georgia. We had kids from everywhere, but in that community they want to reach out, they desperately want to reach out to that community in new ways, but they have no resources in the way of manpower and those kinds of things. They're just getting started, um, they have great, great people there. Um, so pray about that, helping them in the days to come to structure what that looks like for them, not to waste time on things that aren't important. Because they have big dreams, and I love that. I love big dreams. But you have to pray about those and see which one of those dreams that God wants you to pursue and be ready for the answer. I, I remember listening to Larry Goss, the pastor there, kind of share that vision for big dreams and, uh, and his heart for that community. You know, and I mean, it is, it, it, is, it is not fertile soil. It is hard soil to plow into so that seeds of the gospel can be planted. So we need to pray and partner with Larry and, and the team of uh, believers, followers of Jesus that are coming around. And I'm just going to ask you, Michelle, if you would just lead us to pray for that work at Destiny now. Okay, thank you. Father, thank you so very much. Thank you that you speak to our hearts, Lord, open our hearts to listen and our eyes to see where you would lead us, Lord, and help us be brave as we go forward. There are folks in this room right now who are thinking deeply about this, and Lord, I pray that you will speak to them. Lord, I pray for our friends at Destiny. They desperately want to reach the community where you have planted them. They have a heart to reach into Mary Ford Elementary School. They have a heart to reach into Murray Hill Playground. They're feeding them food every day, but they want to feed them that food that lasts. They want to get into your word and they want to equip their people to do the same in a community that, as Pastor said, is hard soil. God, will you raise up leaders there? Will you raise up resources in the way of manpower? Will you open hearts? They have so many dreams over there and they are good dreams and they are godly dreams, but give them direction and wisdom on how to pursue those, Lord. Where we can help, where we are gifted, where you have given us wisdom, where you have given us resourcing, help us to share that. Yes. Be clear for us, Lord, on what we should do and then help us to be obedient. Mm -hmm. 
Because anytime we walk into these things, we are a little bit afraid. But you make us brave. And I pray for the people at Destiny to not stop reaching us. They're our family now. And this is our city. And we want to reach it for you together. So, Lord, would you do that? Would you give us power? Would you equip us in supernatural ways to do that? Would you remove the crippling fear that stops so many of us from saying yes? We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Y'all thank them for sharing, if you would. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you guys so much. Um, I'm going to ask uh, uh, our... Uh, Mission Surf team, if you guys would begin making your way up. Uh, we've had a, a group of, uh, of young people who have given up a week of their summer. And w- while they're coming up, uh, River Kids, you can head back with Miss Michelle and uh, the team back to, uh, to, to celebrate with them. Thank you for being with us. Um, but we've had a group of, of young people who uh, gave up a week of their life. Some of them had to, to do odd jobs to help raise money to, to, to get there uh, for, the, for the sake of the gospel. Uh, both that they would go and demonstrate it and declare it, and uh, uh, they're, they're back now. And I've asked Terry if he would kind of lead uh, a conversation, discussion, to help us get connected to it. Terry, if you would, would you kind of recap how we got into mission serve? Most of us, you know, are world changer uh, kind of folks, but just kind of recap what, what that was like and, and kind of where you guys went, what you did this year. Okay, so uh, our church has done world church. And on the way from the, the church we stayed at to my project, and it was like it's all over the place. 
He passed by Boone's Temple, Indian Orthodox Church, Korean Church. All you had to do is name the ethnic group and, and the different denominations, and it was there. Now, I know we have the nations here in Charleston, and we have more and more people coming to Charleston. We need to steward that. But I'll tell you, I have not seen a place, I know Los Angeles and other places like that are even more. But me personally, I've never seen the nations like we saw. Uh, and then on a free day, we got a chance to go into D.C. Uh, and go on Capitol tour, and it was cool because you'll see the picture that hasn't shown already. We had an impromptu last minute, let's go see Kim Scott, and uh, he welcomed us and took pictures with us and saw Boo here and said, hey Boo, hey here, you know, kind of deal. We just had a great time. So I'm going to stop talking for a moment. I'm going to let these guys share, introduce yourself, share some of what your squad did, and one of the ways, I know there were many, one of the ways that you saw God at work that week. All right. Well, I'm Adrian Harris, um, and our crew did a few things. We uh, we replaced a porch in the backyard, um, and then we did some yard work out in the front, and we also painted the house um, in the front. Um, and one thing that God really showed me and that was really cool is um, our homeowner, she was um, elderly, so she really wasn't out there. We talked to her for a few minutes. But her daughter, she was kind of in charge of us, kind of saying, like, here's what we need, here's what we need, here's your boundaries, here's what we want y'all to do. Um, and she was nice, she just wasn't what we were expecting um, to say. She had the, she kind of had the mindset of, okay, you guys are here to fix my house and that's it. I want y'all to come in, do the work and leave. Um, and so throughout the week we were all praying and she, our prayer was that God would, or God would, um, kind of transform her and kind of show her like we're here one to spread the gospel and to be his hands and feet and two to repair your house and three to love on you and love on others um, and and through just a few days she got to see that and we um, within the few days that we were there she was there praying with us she was there praying for us um, she was actually a um, she went into seminary and she had like a prayer every day, so she prayed that for us. She stayed for our devotions a couple of times. So just seeing the transformation from the heart of, okay, you're here to do what I want and that's it, to a wow at the end of the week, wow, I'm so thankful that you guys are here. Y'all have done an incredible job of being with God and all that, and just seeing the transformation through a few days, that was pretty cool. Hi, I'm Julia Harris. Yep. Uh, <laughs> he's my brother. But anyway, uh, my crew, we did mostly outdoor maintenance stuff. So we replaced Miss Ernestine, that was our homeowner, um, her whole fence. We added some steps and stair railing things to um, her porch. And then we cleaned up around her yard a little bit. So um, something that really stuck out to me that week was... Miss Ernestine didn't, she wasn't originally there when we came. The first day we were just alone. She, we knocked on the door like a hundred times. She wasn't there. And we were all kind of getting a little grumpy and complaining because she wasn't there and we were just sitting there doing nothing. And so that was very discouraging because we could have been doing a lot of things and helping her out and, you know, she wasn't there. So we didn't know what she wanted us to do. So we just were sitting there and then she finally comes like three or four hours later and she comes up to us and she says you guys I am so sorry I was at church she was at church who am I to grumble at this way precious lady for going to church you know what I mean 
So <laughs> way early this morning in ungodly hours, God revealed to me something about that. He reminded me of the story of Mar uh, Martha and Mary and how Martha was just sitting at God's feet and how Martha was in the kitchen preparing meals, you know, getting things prepared. And Martha has a pretty, um, just one of those personalities where she wants to make sure everyone's taken care of. And well, I feel like Martha's very relatable because I feel like we get distracted by things like that all the time. Like um, when you go to Mission Serve, you, you can be very easily distracted about getting the work done and, you know, keeping your schedule on time. And I feel like that's what we were being distracted by. And that was just a great reminder that week to just sit at Jesus' feet and remember why we are there and remember the, the purpose while we're there, to share the gospel. Um, hi, I'm Meg Harden, and um, <clears throat> some of the work that my squad did, um, we worked on a screened in porch. Um, the, our homeowner, Miss Anderson, she had sort of been using her screened in porch in her backyard for storage, and so she had all kinds of boxes um, and things there. So before we could work on the actual porch, we had to clean all that out. So we moved all of her things out of there and helped her sort through them. Then um, we replaced the screens on the porch and some paneling, and then we also did some yard work. Um, and one thing, um, just one way I sort of saw God working was just through um, the unity that I saw and experienced between um, all the people there at the project, all the people on my squad. Um, I think there were five churches at the project, and so um, there were people from all over. We had some people on our crew from Kentucky. Um, there were several people from Darlington, South Carolina. There was um, only one other person from River Bluff. There's maybe one person from Virginia. Um, you know, so we're coming from all over. We've never met each other before. But like right away, we just instantly connected, and you know we're working together all week, and it's just, uh, we're working, and there wasn't like any strife or division among us. And I just think it's um, so amazing to see people coming together like that. Um, you know, just working for one purpose to serve God and um, to love others in His name. And I know that that's not something you know, that we did, that was God working and, you know, creating that unity among us, coming from so many different places. And I just thought that that was really neat to see. Uh, hi, I'm Patrick Wolf. Um, uh, our crew, we, we, did, we were on a roofing crew, and if you know one thing about me, me and roofs do not mix. Yeah, we're like water and oil. Um, but it worked, it worked, it was all good. Um, <laughs> Okay, so not only did we focus on the physical work there at the project, which was amazing because we had a wonderful homeowner, a delightful lady, um, but we also focused on the ministry work. So whenever we had a free break or just a time where we weren't really doing much, uh, we would take part of our crew, I think me and Jenny went on a lot, and then a girl named Lauren from our crew also went, and we all, we walked around the neighborhood that surrounded her house, and we just kind of spoke with everyone. We asked, can we, can we pray for you about anything? And I remember a particular encounter where we met these couple of gentlemen. Uh, one was doing yard work, the other was <laughs> supervising. Uh, <laughs> 
as we all do at least some, you know, at least some point. He, we, we spoke to them and he actually had something going on with his life where he was between jobs, so he was actually, that's why he was doing the yard work. And so he was helping out his neighbor who is unfortunately not able to actually get out and do his yard anymore, so he was doing work for him. But it was kind of amazing to see that, the, the kind of spectrum, the you know, set in stone the how the homeowners, and then those who really aren't as fortunate as the you know just in the same neighborhood. It was just amazing to see. Like Destiny said, distance really doesn't determine how people are, and you just really have to. You don't really know what you're going into until you work with it. So, uh, another way I saw God work this week particularly was not only did like Meg said there was a whole bunch of unity between five churches that didn't know each other at all. We really didn't. But there was a whole lot of unity there, but there was also unity within our own youth group. Uh, Tuesday night was Concert of Prayer, which, sweet gracious, everyone was crying, I think at least once. Yeah. Um, but after that night, it was insane because we were inseparable. There was no way that the enemy was going to tear us apart. And we, uh, not only did our youth group join, but all five youth groups that were there formed one group in the sanctuary that was there. We, we all became one church instead of five churches. We all became one group. And it was amazing to see because then we really knew our purpose. We knew our dedication was to serve God. Terry, if you would uh, just take a moment uh, and, and lead us as a church to pray for the work that God has allowed you guys to step into and uh, just for, for the impact it could even have nationally uh, just because of where you guys were serving and connecting. Okay, pray. Father, we thank you that uh, you are God who is always at work. We thank you that you are working in so many ways you invite us to join you here. Father, I thank you for the opportunities that we have to plant seeds, to serve people, to share the gospel, to pray for people. We pray that those people that we encounter, God, who are closer to you and some of them will come to know you. And those that did it, pray to see Christ, to grow in their faith and get connected to a local church body. We thank you for being able to join you uh, in your work. Uh, may we all be ambitious to you and do what you call us to do and go where you call us to do. Amen. You guys, thank them for sharing uh, this morning. Thank you guys so much. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Thank you. If you've got your Bibles still open, if you don't, how about open them? Uh, I want to go to Luke, if you would, chapter 10, uh, as we continue together this morning. 
And I want you to, to kind of pick up on um, the same instructions that we read from Matthew a moment ago, but to a different audience uh, that Jesus would give. Last time, I believe that Jesus was speaking to the twelve when he gave some specific directions about, about gospeling, about what it means. And we're in a series that we've entitled Gospeling. And I want us to look at uh, Jesus giving some similar instructions to a, another group, a different group. And so I'm in Luke chapter 10, and I'm reading starting in verse 1. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72. So this is not the 12. This is, I believe, an additional 72 people who were followers of Jesus. Sometimes I think we think that uh, the instructions that he gave were only for those 12 and, and somehow we exclude ourselves. But I really believe that what we're seeing here is that Jesus is communicating that these instructions are for all followers uh, of Christ. And so he says this, he's 72, and he sent them ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into, har into his harvest. Then he said, go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know that the kingdom of God has come near. Verse 12, I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than it was for that town. And this is the word of the Lord. Now, Jesus is giving his followers, all followers, I believe, some very explicit directions for gospeling. For taking the good news about him and about God's kingdom all over the place. Now, they were specifically going to be working in a region that was kind of like their county. If you're thinking about geography, this would be about the size of a county that he was sending them into. So, it was an area of geography that Jesus said, I want you guys accountable for. I want to send you out into this area, this specific geography, to tell people that God's kingdom is available to them. That they can draw near to God. And Jesus not only described the mission, but he gave them some very, very specific marching orders. How to carry the, the mission out. Now, when I was a much younger man, a freshman at College of Charleston. Some of you know this, that uh, in that season, my... my last couple years of high school and then uh, in college, one of the ways that I paid for my fun money and expenses and those kinds of things that allowed me to start dating my wife was uh, I, I worked as a lifeguard and a swim team coach uh, and a swim instructor. And uh, while I was a freshman at College of Charleston, I took a class in water safety uh, instruction. It was a water safety instructor's class. And uh, there were a lot of things that we learned in there. But one of the things that we were trained in was what's called moving water rescue. That's what it was called in my day. I think they call it swift water rescue these days. And our instructor gave us some very clear directions of what it would look like if you ever had to do a, a rescue in, in moving water. And he told us, your mission is to get that person extracted out 
of, out of whatever they find themselves in in this, in, in this moving water situation. And oftentimes, these rescues, they told us, would involve extracting people from th- this word that uh, we used a lot yesterday when I was on a men's ministry paddle in the river to extract people from these things called strainers. Um, you know what a strainer is in your sink? Water passes through, but what happens? Catches everything else. Well, in a swift water moving environment, what happens is there is something that's trapping, and in this case, it traps people. Water keeps moving through, but it catches everything else, human beings. And so yesterday on the, uh, the men's great paddle adventure uh, that I would encourage, if we ever do it again, guys, you, you, you want to go. We had a great time of fellowship. We ran into some strainers on the Edisto River. In fact, we had not been in our boat. My, my boat buddy was uh, John Miller. Um, those of you who know John should uh, just go ahead and rise up and call me blessed. No. The... Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, he, was my, he was my boat buddy, and I'd had a little more, more experience uh, paddling canoes than John, so we put me in the back of the boat to kind of drive, because you can steer from back there, and to call out what we needed to do. And so anyway, we're, we're, we had not been in the uh, boat five minutes in the water when we had our first person get in a strainer. And John and I saw it, and uh, we start paddling over there. Now, what you never want to do in water rescue is you never want to go right to them, because then guess what? You're in the strainer too, and more than likely you're going to flip. And so we paddled down past him, paddled back up as my instructor had trained me to do, and we got this person out. Now we were in the the canoes we were in were the tippiest canoes I'd ever been in in my life. Um, and uh, so anyway, we, we I thought we were going to probably you know get dunked, but we didn't. We successfully managed it. Five minutes later, this same person ended up in a strainer again, and uh, we got got him out again successfully. We stayed dry. We started getting a little cocky about our capacity, you know, to, to handle situations like this. And um, we successfully made it through the river, got in some straining situations again with a couple people. But uh, anyway, we, we were successful. And we came and ate lunch. And not long after lunch, um, an event happened. The river had narrowed, and there was a tree that was almost all the way across it, uh, a strainer. It, it was about a 10-foot chute that we could get through. And some friends of ours, we had gotten a little closer together than we should have as boats. And uh, some friends of ours, uh, Tim and Michael had been in a boat. And, and Tim and Michael had had an earlier experience in the day when they had got caught on a strainer and literally lost their boat. I mean, their boat was gone. It was missing in action. Uh, Tim, when I came around the corner, Tim had climbed up in the tree that they, they had strained. He had fallen in the water and all that kind of stuff. Had come back and climbed up in the tree looking for his boat. You could not see the man's boat. You know, it was underwater. But finally he was successfully able to get it out. Well anyway, Tim and Michael were ahead of us. I think they lost their shoes and glasses and all kinds of stuff. Didn't you, Tim? Yeah. There's our brother. Wave wave your hand in the air, Tim, just like you don't care. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, Tim and Michael were coming up on this this moment again and they go and they start heading into the strainer. And I'm thinking, oh no, I don't want to see my brothers, you know, sink again, that kind of stuff. And for just a moment I start to move the boat that way. Dumb decision. I was not listening to my training, and the moment I realized that I thought, oh my goodness, we gotta, we, gotta, we gotta get back, it was too late. We couldn't get back fast enough, so I hollered to John in the front of the boat. John lay back, thinking we could just duck our way under the tree. Well, John laid back, but then he rolls left. And there we go. We're, we're in the drink. I mean, it was my fault that we, that we, we did this. Um, but it, here's what happened. I did not listen to the training I had received. 
I thought I could come at this one a little different, you know, and, and help in a little bit better way. But had I just listened to my trainer and come back around, we'd, we'd have been okay. Instead, we got sunk. We sunk everything. Our boat was upside down. John ended up down the river about a half mile, I think, and um, I had to pull the boat out. But it was, it was, it was a fun day. Um, and I wasn't the only one that, you know, most of us were in the drink before the day was over. But it, that moment happened because I did not listen to my training. Jesus has given us as his followers some very specific training when it comes to gospeling. When it comes to gospeling. And what Jesus tells us in this story is that I believe is that the beginning of any gospeling that we would ever do starts with prayer. Gospeling begins with prayer. In Luke chapter 10 verses 1 and 2, Jesus said, after this he appointed the 72 others and sent them ahead. And, and he said this, he said, you need to pray. You need to pray earnestly. Because that's the beginning point for gospeling. For gospel praying, you need to pray earnestly. And in that prayer, Jesus reveals the starting point of gospel praying. Here's, he says, you got to start with prayer if you're going to ever go out. You know, I'm, I'm going to send you out, but you got to start by praying. And here's what gospel praying looks like. Gospel praying starts with something, and it starts with God and with his work. It starts with God and with his work. In verse 2, we read, said that he, Jesus said this, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to who? The Lord of the harvest. It's, it's the Lord's harvest. And it goes on to say that he would send forth labors into whose harvest? His harvest. Now, now folks, sometimes here's where churches get off track. We, 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 we miss our training and it causes us to tip over sometimes is we think it's our harvest that we're going to go out and we're going to win souls for Jesus there is it's God's harvest it's not your harvest it's not my harvest if he's not involved in this if he's not drawing nothing's going to happen and so we have to start as Jesus said earnestly praying to God about his work we've got to understand that that has to capture our hearts and minds now in the scriptures that we've read from Matthew and in Luke we can also see something else that's important to understand before we go out gospeling and it's the kind of heart that can really get into this prayer that Jesus is instructing us to pray back in Matthew we read earlier Jesus's instructions here and we see something from his life it said when he saw the crowds he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and what that tells me is this is that gospeling prayer flows from a heart that is connected and compassionate it's I'm probably really messing y'all up back there with the slides I know I'm jumping around a little bit sorry about that but you, you're good I know you're good I know you're going to follow me but it's that's that's the heart and so if you're even going to begin to pray gospeling kinds of prayers it's got to start with your own heart and we see Jesus's heart here he was connected to the personal experiences of those he was sending the 70 the two out to or the disciples out to he saw that they had been harassed by this broken fallen world he, he saw this in this planet he saw that they were they were broken they were they were helpless is what Jesus says now for some of us all we want people to do is pull themselves up by their bootstraps 
We don't think about, we, we think, man, you just need to help yourself. You need to get up off of there and get going. And there's some truth in that. People do have to help themselves. But sometimes when somebody's stuck in a pit, for them to get up about living again, somebody's got to help them out. And we have to be people with hearts that understand that sometimes because of tragedy that's inflicted on somebody, not something they cause themselves, they become helplessly trapped, ensnared in what may look like a strainer of life. And we have to come along and, and be part of God's rescue plan. But it starts with a heart, a gospeling heart that is compassionate and connected to the problems that people face. We have to have hearts like Jesus. Jesus also shows us something else about gospel praying. When, when gospeling prayer actually happens, one of the results is this. The kingdom of God gets announced. When gospel praying actually happens, when we're praying to see the gospel expressed and communicated, the, the kingdom of God gets expressed. Luke chapter 10 verse 9, Jesus, when he was giving instructions to those he was sending out, he said, do this. He said, heal the sick. Heal the sick. What he was saying is, you are going to have to meet some basic human needs. You're going to have to step into people's real life, real time pain. You're going to have to help them deal with the problems that they're struggling with. It may be physical sickness. It may be emotional sickness. It may be relational sickness. But you've got to step into their pain, their suffering, their sorrow. You've got to bring the gospel into that through demonstration. You've got to demonstrate the power of the gospel to impact and affect sickness in this world. And he said, when you do that, however, you must also do this. And he said this, and he said, and say to them, and this is sometimes where we miss the boat these days, church, is we, we've gotten pretty decent at going out to do, but we got to proclaim. We, do, we demonstrate, but we got to declare the gospel. We've got to tell people about the kingdom or they don't understand what this whole thing's about. And so Jesus says we have to declare it. We've got to express it so that they know they no longer have to live helpless and harassed. That there is a way out that they can, they can realign their lives out from under the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of despair, the, the kingdom of pain and suffering, the kingdom of sin. And they can move into the kingdom of God's marvelous light now. They have to know that God's kingdom is available for them. Right now, that Jesus came to make it available. And when they do that, understand that God is not just looking to subject them from one kingdom to another. God doesn't want them to just be subjects. God wants to adopt them into his forever family. Not just so that God can rule and reign over them, but so that all people could rule and reign with God if they would trust in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is praying this prayer and he points to one more thing. And, and friends, if we don't get this one, and I think in so many ways the church hasn't gotten this, it will keep us off of mission. It's something that local churches, I think, oftentimes miss because it is really easy for a local church to be about building their own kingdom and not the kingdom of God. It's just really easy for us to get off mission for, and forget that. And so we've got to focus on this and understand this. And one of the things, as long as that continues, when local churches exist to build their kingdoms, the thing that's going to continue to happen is this. We're going to continue to see people stuck in strainers in life 
And it, the gospel's power is going to be limited in the impact it has. And we're not going to reach and touch the world this way because we cannot rescue people on our own. We, we can't do it. River Bluff Church can't do it. Listen to the words of Jesus again. The Lord appointed the, the 72 and he, and he sent them out and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore do this. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to do what? Send out laborers. Send out laborers. And the principle here, the gospeling principle here is simply this. Gospeling prayer recognizes the need for gospeling partners. God, prayers rooted in the gospel realize that we need gospel partners. We've got to pray to God that he would send more partners in ministry. River Bluff can't do it. We're not called to do it by ourselves. We're called to do it in biblical community over our city and in our nation and, and around the world. And that's why we do what we're doing next week called Kingdom Sunday. Next Sunday is part of something that has become part of our DNA at River Bluff called Kingdom Sunday. And if this is new to you, I'm going to try to explain it quickly and briefly. But what we do is we, we shut down our church's meeting service. So next Sunday, there will be no Sunday service here. Not at 9.30 and not at 11. <coughs> Excuse me. And what we do is we send our church out to bless other churches. And we have done this for years now. Normally what we tell people to do is find a struggling church. You go to that church. You bless them. You pray for them. You get to know them. You love them. You find out what needs they have. You begin praying for them. That Sunday, you don't hold your tithe and wait till you get back to give it at River Bluff. You give your tithe, your weekly tithe, that week to that church. And let them know that you're doing it because you love them and because you are grateful that they are part of the community of proclaiming the gospel right where they live, work, and play. And, we, and that we love them for that. That's what we do. Now, I've had somebody recently this week ask me, and I, it gets asked almost every year, Joe, do we lose members when we do Kingdom Sunday? The answer is yes and no. River Bluff may lose some members, but the kingdom of God doesn't. And we're not here for River Bluff. We're here for our king. To serve our king. And his kingdom is bigger than th this little 25 acres of land. His kingdom is much bigger. Does it hurt sometimes when somebody gets a mission from God to go? Yes, it hurts sometimes. But will we sacrifice and will we be generous to those in need? We've consistently done it and, and we're going to keep on doing it because we're not losing when we do it. We win. The kingdom of, of God wins. And so we do Kingdom Sunday as a celebration. We do it to bless other churches. We do it to exercise a core value around the river to remind us of our core value that it's about the kingdom of God. It's not about us. We want to demonstrate and declare the beauty of the gospel to cooperate and collaborate and not compete. We want to send a clear message that we are here for the welfare of the city. And if their church grows and prospers and thrives beyond ours, praise be to God. That's what, that's what God has called us here for. Now, what this day is not, this is not a day to go check out other churches. I heard about a cool church doing something cool over there. It's not about that. It's about blessing somebody else. And I want to I ask you specifically to help us this year a little differently with Kingdom Sunday. I want to ask you to look to try to attend a church in the block on that map that's outlined. What we've called our AOA. 
for the purpose of helping unite the churches in this area that we've said that we've believed that the Lord has called us to be liable for lostness there. Now, are we supposed to continue helping everyone? Yes. But we, we believe God has called us to help focus on this geography. We talked about that a few weeks ago. If you need some, some refreshing, you can find it on our website. But that we, we adopt that. And so we want to work with those churches. So I'm asking you specifically to find a church in that AOA. I'm going to put something online and send out an email with a list of churches there. Uh, you could Google it. But I'm telling you, there are a lot of churches, a lot of little bitty churches in nooks and crannies of, of this AOA that are not going to show up on Google Map. Because I've already driven and found about 10 that will not show up in a Google Map search. And there, there are brothers and sisters if they're taking the gospel of Jesus. Now they're going to do it a little differently. It's going to be a little flavored differently. A little diversity. It's not a bad thing. But we want to pray for them and love them and support them. Now if you end up somewhere and somebody's doing something really freaky. And you hear the spirit of God say don't give your money here. Give it to another ministry. You do that. Okay? That's okay. You trust the spirit of the living God in you. Because he will speak to you about those things. But go. Try to make connection. Try to, try to tell th these other churches, we, we want to be in this together. We love you and we thank, we thank God for you. So it's an opportunity to connect and, and encourage our brothers and sisters. Um, it's a, an opportunity to encourage this kingdom value that we have. The other thing that Kingdom Sunday does so often in my life especially is it helps tear down the idol of my church. Now, I hope you love your church. And I'm grateful for people who walk around with the church that say, I heart my church. I'm not dissing them. I want us to be people that walk around with a shirt that says, I heart your church if you're proclaiming the gospel, if you're Christ-centered, and you love his word. That's what I want our church, our church to say. That, that's, that's how we should go. Is, is with that kind of heart so that it's not about us. It's about our king and his kingdom and the gospel coming to all people in that living space. A couple of things that I would just encourage you to do. Well, one more thing that, that Kingdom Sunday does. Kingdom Sunday has helped me and I think it helps us as a church repent of thinking too small. You know, as Shama was sharing about her heart how grateful she is for her church that has helped bring up her son, seven-year-old son, RJ, to know the gospel stories from the Old Testament into the New Testament, to know that story, that continuing story of the gospel. She's grateful for that. But you know what it also does? It breaks her heart that there are places on our planet, in our neighborhood, in our community, in our city, where kids seven years old have never heard the stories that do not know that Jesus loves them, that do not know that he came to make a way for them so that they could forever be in his presence with him. So two challenges that I wanna give you over this next week. I want you to pray, God, search my heart. Search my heart. And God, if there's a place where I'm not, where I don't see people hurting, harassed, and helpless, God, change that. Help me connect like Jesus connected. I want, I want to experience it, your kingdom that way. And show me, God, what church you would have me go bless. Put it, put it in my heart. Help me, help me see. And then I want to encourage you next week to give generously. To give sacrificially to where God sends you. Okay? To proclaim, and not just money, but maybe give some of yourself somehow. And commit yourself to pray for the church that God, God would send you to. Last thing that I would encourage you to do.
I said there were two, but there's three. Last thing I would encourage you to do is this. Begin opening your heart now to let God do something unexpected in you. Begin opening your heart now to allow God to begin to do something unexpected in you next week. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we come, we just come confessing that sometimes it is so easy for us to be wrecked by thinking about just us and ours. Father, where that has been true in our lives recently, as a church, we pray you to, God, break us of that. Just break us of that, Father. Use this week especially, God, to prepare our hearts to receive from you a greater vision than us and ours. Your vision for the world. Your vision for every street, every circle, every God road in our AOA. Places 20 minutes and 20 seconds from here that do not, that have people that do not know of your love, of your goodness, of your name, of your glory, God. Help us be the people, the people of your kingdom who submit and surrender ourselves to be your laborers, who start by praying, by opening our hearts to have a heart like Jesus and start by praying that God is about you, it's about your kingdom, not about us. Help us see people the way that you do, Lord. Help us focus ourselves towards you. Help us be open, God, to you doing something big and bold and different in our lives. And God, we come now giving back to you from the resources that you have given us. We give you your tithes, God. We bring you our offerings because we want to see the gospel go. We want to see more laborers sent. We're trusting, God, that you're at work in us and through us and around us bringing the hope of Jesus to all of mankind. So Father, now as we worship, as we we think together about being sent out, I pray that the song will not be words and melody, but be our heart's cry to you. Dear God, would you send us out gospel prayers would you send us out with a heart for our city would you send us out for our heart for this AOA where you have planted this church uniquely so that we might see your kingdom come and your will done thanks for listening if you're in North Charleston this Sunday please consider visiting us at our 930 or 11 o'clock services we'd love to see you Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.